This is Dorel Dalia, and you're listening to episode 84 of the Before the Millions podcast. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. Hey, what's up? What's going on, BTM tribe? We're back for another installment of the Before the Millions podcast. Oh, it's a beautiful week this week and we have a beautiful episode in store for you guys. Hey, do you guys ever just have one of those eureka moments. I mean, those moments are so good for me. Like they happen in the shower. They happen during my commutes. They happen in random conversations. And when you have one of those moments and you're just like, I just made a connection or I just made a discovery. And you're so excited to go and implement what that is that you've just discovered or connected in your business. And you're excited for the result. And it's a beautiful thing. Well, I just had one of those and I'm super excited. And, you know, I couple that with the fact that not everything that I have set out to do has been according to the timeline that I set out to do it in. And I like to beat myself up over that sometimes because I'm a real stickler for time and discipline and doing what you say you're going to do and saying what you're going to actually do and things like that. But sometimes, man, we set the bar really, really high for ourselves And that's something I find myself doing a whole lot. And it works to my advantage in many ways because, you know, for instance, when I decided that I was going to leave corporate America forever and never return in two years or, or less, I set the bar really, really high. But I also started implementing a game plan for that to be possible rather than thinking it was going to take me five or 10 years. So I do that every single day in business. And sometimes I don't actually meet the goal that I set out to meet. But instead of beating myself up about it, I just give gratitude that I'm in a position to be able to be flexible. That I mean, I left the world of hard set deadlines and things of that nature for a reason. So why not enjoy the fruits of my labor and just be super flexible and not beat myself up when I don't meet a deadline, when I don't meet a release date? I've been so hard pressed to get out our new website, guys, and I'm super excited about this. I can't wait for you guys to see it, but I've been so hard pressed to get out our our, our new website by the date that I've given myself. And just to let you guys know, the date for that is December 11th, but I don't think it's going to happen by the 11th. And it's almost one of those situations that's out of my control. I mean, I'm working with other people on this job and I just have to learn to kind of sit back, have some gratitude and let the work produce itself. 
let it happen when it happens and be super excited all throughout the process. And then when it finally does launch, I mean, it's going to be a beautiful thing. So there you go. On today's episode, guys, I'm speaking with Mrs. Kayla Philo, and Kayla is a digital nomad, a location independent entrepreneur. And as you guys know, these are some of my most favorite people in the whole wide world. Just to let you guys know right off the top, like we're jumping into some location independent conversations. We're talking about different countries and the currency there and geo arbitrage. And so if that's something that you're not really interested in, then just fast forward about 20 minutes and we'll get to the meat and potatoes of today's show, which is more so about video editing and video marketing for entrepreneurs, for investors. It's almost like a masterclass on marketing yourself, your properties, and anything that you have that you want to get across to other people through video. I mean, let's face it, guys, in this day and age, video is taking over everything and we're not going to get left behind. So I brought on one of the leading experts in this industry to show us the four steps to a fabulous video, to show us how and why we should batch videos, to show us why lighting is so important and what to do about bad lighting, to talk about why editing is so expensive and how we as entrepreneurs are not going to pay an arm and a leg for that to show us ways to outsource video production and find your perfect editor. This is one of those kinds of episodes that I normally would reserve for my clients only. And yes, I do record a ton of episodes that never actually make the podcast that are specifically teaching episodes for my coaching clients. And in those episodes, we do a deep dive into so many different subject matters. And often with some of the guests, we record a second episode after the normal episode on ear just for my clients alone. So if a client relationship with me is something that you're interested in and you want to learn more, uh, reach out to me and send me an email. And this is probably the last week that I'll tell you to send me an email for something like this because our new website is going to be able to take care of all of that here in the future. But send me an email at D-A-R-A-Y at beforethemillions.com. Okay. So if you are a real estate entrepreneur, you are an investor, or you are an agent in this day and age, you've probably already started doing some video marketing or you're thinking about doing video marketing. And if you fall in one of these buckets, then this episode is for you. So let's get to it. DeRay's tip of the week. Luke 638 in the Bible says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaketh together and running over will be poured into your lap. Most people translate that to something like, give and you shall receive. And yet most people who have translated this text into that short phrase don't actually internalize that, don't actually set their best foot forward and start giving of themselves. Their mindset is, I don't have to give. I do plan on giving and I believe myself to be a good giver, but I don't have the means to give. And I'm working on that now. And when I do get the means to give, then I'll give. And what's wrong with this mindset is when, in fact, if, in fact, you ever do get the means to give because of this habit that you've been practicing, that is actually what you're going to emulate once you get to that point. And you're still going to feel as though through Parkinson's law that you don't have enough to give. But if you have a little and you're still able to find a way to give, just practicing that throughout your life is going to make you a better giver and actually ensure that when you do get to that level that you want to get to, you will you will give and you will give abundantly. But what's funny about that, that first mindset is that those people who I say, once they get there, they're, they're not going to be able to give because they 
still feel as though they don't have, most of them actually, guys, most of them never even get there. And that's because they don't know the secret. That is because they're following a philosophy, but they're not internalizing the philosophy. Give and it shall be given unto you. So if, if you're fighting, if you're struggling, trying to get out of something, trying to get into something, trying to be something, trying to do something, trying to have something, you're not helping another person, you're not giving of yourself for the next guy or girl, then I quite frankly do not see how you're ever going to achieve that in which you're looking to achieve. It doesn't say receive and out of what you've received, then go give. It says give and it shall be given unto you. So since this podcast is being released during the holidays, this is the Christmas season and many more people are receptive to giving. Many more people are receptive to receiving. But some of us, this may be a stressful time because when the holidays come around, it's like doom, darkness, and we have to spend all this money and it can be really stressful, right? But if you go back to that mindset, that belief system, if you go back to Luke 638 and you know that if you give... Again, this is not why you're giving. This is just, it's almost like law, the law of reciprocity, whatever you want to call it, but try it. Give of who you are now and it will be given onto you. And it's not like you give somebody a dollar and somehow, some way, a dollar comes back to you in another form. Luke 38 says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So that means abundance. So much so that it's going to be poured into your lap. So you have abundance waiting for you right on the other end of altruism, of love, of obedience, of law. So my friends, go out there and give. Be cheerful this holiday season. And don't be surprised if you get a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. Today, I'm super excited. We have a video marketing expert on today's show, and her name is Mrs. Kayla Philo. Hey, Kayla, how's it going? It's great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you and the BTM tribe. Where are you speaking to you from today? Kind of give us, give us a little bit about what you're doing today and where you are currently in the world. Well, right now I'm in Todos Santos, Mexico. It's, yes. a, de- <laughs> it's a dusty little pueblo on the Baja, southern Baja Peninsula. Um, I'm based in Mexico City, but we're house-sitting here for some friends this summer. And it's been really good for me because it's down season here. There's nothing to do, literally no coffee shops, maybe a couple. (laughs) Nothing to run out and be distracted with, so I'm getting a lot done here. What is the name of the city again? How do you say it? Todos Santos. Todos. Todos Santos. Or if you would say Todos Santos. Gotcha. I like Todos Santos better. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I, want, I really want to dive into why you're there, how you're there. Are you Mexican? No, I am. <laughs> I was born in Iowa. I'm about as you know, Midwest kind of as you can get. I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Texas, in Houston, and nice. spent most of my adult life in Austin, but fell in love with Northern California and spent a few years there. And my dad's an entrepreneur. He's an architect that started his own business many years ago in a downtime in the Houston economy. So he's been an inspiration. But the kind of the way I ended up here in Todos Santos is three years ago, my youngest daughter graduated from high school. I had two kids and she was the youngest. And so I left the nest really empty. I sold or donated everything that would not fit in my Honda CRV with 95,000 miles on it. And no cheating. I had no storage space, no boxes in, you know, friend's garage, none of that. And I hit the road and I traveled solo for about 18 months. 
now, you know, truth time, I had just gone through divorce. So I took a couple months to go to Montana because I'm part bear and uh, to relax and hibernate and spend the winter in Montana. And then after that, I had had all these ideas in my mind for many, many, like a long time, but I didn't know how to start organizing them. So I've always worked for myself. I was a marketing video producer since the time you could pretty much do digital video online, I, I got into it. Before that, I was doing websites. I'm an internet grandma. <laughs> and so I knew my world was online and digital and from the very start. It really fits my personality because I'm half, I'm very strong right and left brain. I'm creative, but I'm also kind of geeky. So that world works for me. So after, again, my daughter graduated, I spent about 18 months, but I didn't go lay at the beach. Not that that's not fun, but I had a, a lot of motivation and I knew I wanted this lifestyle, this in location independent lifestyle, but it doesn't just pop up for you. And we can talk about that in a little bit too, if you like. So I knew I needed to uplevel my network quite a bit and also brush up on my online marketing skills because, you know, marketing has covers a lot of things and there's some very different pieces of it for being marketing online, especially video. So I had to brush up on that as well. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I have so many selfish questions to ask you throughout this interview. So uh, just kind of wait for those. But, you know, let's talk about the, you know, let's talk about two years ago and you, you hit the road and you visit a few states. And it's one of those things, I think you mentioned Montana. Had you been nomadic before? Had Did you know what you were doing? What what kind of was your mindset as you as you went to Montana? Did you get a hotel? Like kind of walk me through the process. Did you know you wanted to be a nomad? I'm just trying to get a grasp of that whole time space conundrum and what you were thinking at the time. Yeah, that's a good question. I can't speak for everyone, of course, but I think it's something that it just wouldn't leave me alone. And I used to think it's literally there was something wrong with me. I used to think I was too restless. Why can't I just be, I had a super nice life. I can't complain about any of it. I had a very easy life actually. And I just couldn't figure out why was I so restless? And what I know now is because I have a travel bug for me at this point in my life. And for most of my life, I wanted experiences and not things. And for most people, unless you're super wealthy, you have to make choices to make that happen. So this was a lifelong dream of mine to downsize drastically and travel. And I had wanted to do it with our kids for a couple of years. It never quite worked out. But once I had the first chance to, I jumped on it. And, and video, I got started in video, you know, going out on shoots for small businesses like never having is like location shooting, never having been there before. It was kind of like a little mini adventure every time I go out. So that was kind of my placeholder. And then I would also like create little local adventures without even really knowing that that was what I was doing. But it's just my curiosity mindset, I guess, that has, I've always known that this is what I wanted to do. I'm also, I'm not attached to stuff very much. So if you're someone who has a lot of stuff and it means a lot to you, it's more challenging, I think, to, to adopt this. My my partner's kind of a pack rat, and so it's interesting to <laughs> see how, you know, we balance that out. It's not always pretty. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So, so in, the, in the beginning, Kayla, like, I mean, what were you doing for income? I know you were traveling across the U.S., and you started traveling down to Mexico, but what were you doing for income? How were you sustaining your, your lifestyle? Yeah, really good question. So I was very fortunate. As I said, I've always been drawn to the digital world, and I'm a fabulous digital um, video editor, too. And so that's what I was doing. I had, I knew I wanted to do this a few months ahead. So I'd started to move more of my work to those sort of online, to doing location independent editing, you know, for clients. This Dropbox of footage, I do the editing and we go back and forth. So video editing lends itself to that pretty well, as long as you have decent internet. 
if you don't have the internet, it's a big stress ball. Because this is on your own platform, like uh, your own website, or was this like on Fiverr or one of these other platforms? Oh no, it was not. It was I was leveraging my contacts that I had made beforehand. Okay, yeah. nice, nice, nice. That's Fiverr nice. is a way to get started if you're starting out, but no, this was just uh, and uh, you know, and I also supplemented that to be honest with some savings. Now let's talk about maybe your current focus today and who you're helping today. I know you're empowering women entrepreneurs, but how did this this get started for you, and how did it how is it advanced to this day? Yeah, thanks for that. Well, the cool thing about it is it, it's all in the flow. So the current focus is, well, I should back up a little bit. So we are in the midst of a golden age of female entrepreneurship. I'm not sure if you've, you know, run across that. I feel it. I feel it. I definitely feel it in the air. Yeah. One of the, I mean, I mean, just entrepreneurship in general, uh, being a digital nomad, being a location independent entrepreneur. But when you think about that space, when you think about the amount of things that people can do, that people do do in that space to kind of get to their freedom number, to get to their location, whatever it is. I mean, I think it's a space that mostly women are in. I mean, I, I think about the numerous opportunities that women have in that space. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, like it pays to be a woman right now. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I agree with you. I think what's happening is we're finding our support networks that were harder to, to access within the traditional structure of business. So and finding those people and those resources online in a way that's really accessible so I think it was an article in Forbes or somebody coined that term golden age of female entrepreneurship. And by the way, it's being led by women of color by a long shot, which is super exciting too. So it's a very inspiring place to be playing in. And it's a place that I, I've been an entrepreneur or an advocate for entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, especially all my life. I met Muhammad Yunus in the 90s. He, he was a founder of Grameen Bank, Microcredit. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but totally, you know, a hero. So I've been interested in that space for a long time. And that was part of my frustration that caused me to launch out into doing something totally different was I wanted to figure out what could I do that was more like in that space. So of helping entrepreneurs or being one myself, you know, I worked for myself for a long time, but there's a difference between that and being an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I had jumped into the stream biz test drive and then after that failed and I realized there, it had potential, but I was going to have to invest a ton more money. I needed a, I needed an idea that was maybe a little more literal and solved a pain point a little more specifically. And I looked around and had women asking me, how do I do video? I'm like, again, duh. So I was like, duh to me, I need to create, that's my next project. So what I created, it's the, it's called a, Fab video is finally done, and it's a, the ultimate system for helping coaches and consultants and really anybody who's the face of their business. And it works for men, too. I'm not at all you know, anti-men or anything like that. I love men. But as you know, one of the keys in online marketing is you have to really get specific as possible. The riches are in the niches. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. Especially at first, you know, they call it your beachhead, your beachhead niche or your, you know, your beachhead audience that you want to pick an audience and try to dominate it. And then you can branch out from there. So uh, the program works for everyone, but it is also, uh, there's a lot of mindset work in, in the system. And cause women have, you know, we have our own special designer baggage around being on camera. And so, especially if you didn't grow up, you know, taking five selfies a day with your cat, <laughs> like, uh, or, you know, like my daughter, she is totally comfortable on camera, but if you didn't grow up with that, then there's a lot of mindset work that goes into this as well. So that's why it's targeted for female entrepreneurs. 
I mean, you're a digital nomad. You're a location-independent entrepreneur. I mean, what are the pros and cons of that? What do you experience on a daily basis that maybe the average typical person doesn't even think about? I mean, maybe even a plus or an advantage. Like, what are some of the things that go on in your life that you didn't have to think about before, but now as a digital nomad, it's something that's constantly on your mind? Wi-Fi. (laughs) (laughs) Wi-Fi is constantly on my mind. And I'm laughing about it, but it is true. I mean, if, if you're going to work, obviously try to create your career online, Uh, reliable Wi-Fi is important. And so that was one thing that I learned. And the second thing was to make faster progress, you really can't move around every week or so. It'll drive you crazy, even every two weeks. So what we try to do, what I try to do is stay at least a month in each location. And I like that anyway. I like slow travel. I call it slow travel. We have a blog about slow travel as well. But it's where you're staying at least a month in every location. Number one, if you're leveraging Airbnb, as your places to stay, you get a better rate usually. And also you just, it's a more, you get to settle into a routine. So I would say those are two things, Wi-Fi and staying, you know, don't think you're going to be running, jetting off every other weekend to different places, at least not in your startup phase. Now maybe once you get established, you know, you have that flexibility. But for me, I finally, in fact, I did actually live in Mexico city for a year. I signed a lease because I knew that was a point in my startup. I had to like have my little office I went to every single day, but I still wanted my evenings and my weekends to be really stimulating and creative. And that's one of the things that I like about being a digital nomad is because, you know, when you're doing the startup thing, man, you know, it's a grind and it's not glamorous. It's a lot of work. And I knew if I stayed in the U.S., I would have this little tiny apartment, probably in some place not really very interesting because, you know, I don't have any mailbox money coming in right now. I'm working on that. But I knew that, you know, my lifestyle in the U.S. would probably get smaller and probably involve like a second job as a coffee shop or something. When I'm a di- if you can make the transition to digital nomad, I mean, I slashed my burn rate and my break even is so much lower. It's incredible. I mean, you know, there are things in Mexico that are not cheaper, but most things are. And I mean, my phone is $6 a month and it's the same plan I had on Verizon for 50 You know, just things like that. So when I think about places like Portugal or when I think about the cities in Portugal, like Lisbon, I know that they're not as cheap as, Ch- as Thailand, but they were still way cheaper than a lot of countries using, using geo-arbitrage. So you're, you're able to get an apartment out there for 300, 400, 500 bucks, whereas that same apartment here in the south of, in the south of the U.S. would be maybe 1,200. That same apartment on the West Coast would be maybe 2,000. So it's one of those things to where you make the same amount of money you make anywhere in the world because, you know, you're making money in U.S. dollars. Like whether I live here, whether I live in Europe, whether I live in Antarctica, Asia, wherever I am, like I'm still getting the same mailbox money from my real estate investments. So I'm able to leverage that once I convert that to local currency and have a lot more spending power. So when you're looking at locations, are you factoring that in and kind of what's your process when you're picking the next location? (laughs) Well, that's a good question. And yes, I definitely factor that in because, you know, once again, you're in startup mode. And, but even if you don't want to start a company, I mean, I'm not saying this is kind of the hard way to do it, to be honest. You can, you know, teach English for $20 an hour. There's some Chinese companies that pay 20 bucks an hour. It just kind of depends on, you have to look at it in, I love systems. So you have to look at it in the system of your, you know, your life situation. What kind of work do you want to be doing? And then I also believe that you need to listen to, especially if you're just starting out, where is that place that's been calling you forever and ever and ever? Because if you, even if it's like France or somewhere not quite as cheap, figure out a way to perhaps start there first. Because once you tell 
your subconscious mind and the universe that this might become a reality, if that place has been knocking on your door for a long time, it's going to start screaming. So you might as well just go there first. So it's, it's emotional, but it's also, you know, practical. What kind of work do you want to be doing? I started out doing online video editing. I'm still dragging around my big old iMac computer, which is not, you know, like traveling light sometimes, but I needed it at first. So those are kind of the, you know, the two things to think about how you support yourself and what country lends itself to that, you know, what's your initial budget. And then, but then also the piece of what's really been calling you. I mean, Italy for years was kind of my muse. And if I hadn't gone there already, I would have gone there first probably. Because I think that this is all of your life journey and whatever is in that place is, is what you, I mean, that's the next step of your learning. That's the next step of your growth. Yeah, so, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So how long, how long are you going to be down there in Mexico and where's the next destination for you? Well, we'll be in Mexico. So it kind of worked out for me. And again, life is really interesting. So I'm with a Mexican man and my partner now is a Mexican man. I met him in California, actually, in Northern California. So speaking of, you know, geo arbitrage, when you start out from a place in like that in Northern California, I mean, the whole world seems cheap. (laughs) So, um, and I loved it there. Sonoma County, Santa Rosa, gorgeous, probably, you know, my happy place on earth, the redwoods. But I knew that with the cost of living there, I couldn't do this startup at the same time. So I had always studied Spanish off and on, knew I had books on moving to Mexico. My kids are little, you know, never did it, but wanted to do it. So it was a logical step for me. And then I ended up meeting this Mexican man. I mean, you talk about attracting a circle of things that you want in your life. It happened pretty quickly at that point. And he's actually from Mexico City. So, but he was not as excited about moving back to Mexico City as I was because he didn't grow up in the nice part of Mexico City. He grew up, you know, kind of scrappy and having to work hard and his family did too. So he had no romantic illusions about Mexico City. He's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said, no, no, I've always wanted to go, baby. Let's go. And, but he really had to think about it, but he ended up, I appreciate him because he did come with me to support me in this. And because I said, well, I got to go anyway, because I can't afford you to stay here. And I also have all this other stuff I got to get out and figure out. And so he came down with me. So that worked out well. It's really handy because we speak Spanish. That's been handy too. But I'm interested in Thailand, actually. I want to see the flora and the fauna there because I think nature is, is your best business coach, to be honest. So I like to get out into nature as much as possible and see different ecosystems in the world. So I would like to go to Thailand. Long term, though, I don't think I'm a beach person. I'm a mountain person. So long term, you know, I will probably be looking at, I'm not sure, you know, maybe Chile or Canada. I don't know for sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think one of the things that, because I've been on the Thailand boat for the, probably the past two years. And one of the reasons I switched to Lisbon or Ubud, I don't know yet, because of the time zone difference. Like I know that the time zone difference was major for me when I went to Singapore and I was just like, oh my goodness, like being 13 hours ahead, like I have to do all my calls at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. This is ridiculous. Unless, I mean, of course I have the ability to change that, but I didn't want to interrupt the process that I had been doing for so long. So I was just like, let me just kind of suffer the consequences, which is something that, again, I never want to do again. (laughs) Think about the fact that Lisbon is just, I mean, it's just a six hour time difference. So if I have a day that starts at 12 noon or 10 a.m. in the U.S., I mean, it's not that bad because it's, you know, 6 a.m. or, you know, 
4 a.m., 5 a.m., that's, that's doable. So again, it's one of those things that you have to consider as well. Now, let's kind of move down your journey a little bit more, Kayla, because I think that all of this is very fascinating. And I actually have one last question when it comes to where you are right now. When it comes to kind of just your, your daily expenses and living habits, and I want to paint that picture for people who are looking to live in Mexico, who are looking to do arbitrage. Like, what, I mean, give us a good comparison of like a meal that you would, you know, you would purchase out there compared to California. Yeah, that's a, a good question. And I loved your other point too about the time difference. So obviously that's something Mexico has going for it. Uh, Mexico City is central time. And then just really quickly, Estonia is another country in Eastern Europe. They have something called, they're the first country in the world to have kind of a digital nomad visa or citizenship or something. I just learned about it a few days ago, but um, that might be a country for some of your listeners to look at because the there's a little bit of a legal wrangle sometimes getting set up to do business somewhere else. So yeah. that's as an aside. But to answer your question about Mexico, yes, it's much cheaper. Now Mexico City has its expensive areas. So we paid $1,000 a month for one bedroom apartment in a nice area, though very secure. And that was really on the high side. I mean, you could spend more, but you could also probably find something in La Roma or Condesa or even a roommate situation is even cheaper there. So then like dinner out is, you know, maybe 30 bucks and that includes drinks. Not super fancy, you know, we're not super foodies, but, you know, a couple beers, a couple glasses of wine, pizza, um, 30, $40. So that's, you know, in the city. And then, you know, coffees are similar. Well, not to the West Coast. Coffee, you know, you can spend $6 on Americano in San Francisco now. But yeah, coffees, you know, a couple bucks for a cappuccino. And that's big for me because I'm a coffee fiend. But the piece of it in Mexico City is all of that is really affordable, but then your quality of life is just like, woohoo. I mean, there's so many cool things to do. Chapultepec Park is amazing. And then just the day trips from Mexico City itself. So it's a very, you know, if you can deal with urban environments, obviously, it's a very stimulating place to be, to be creating something and not feeling like you are going to go broke right away. Now, because I am doing a startup and not just working for a wage, nothing wrong with that when you're trying this out, but I'm working on a startup. I spend way more on my business than I do on my living expenses right now. Yeah. For sure. Same here. <laughs> Same yeah, here. 100%. Sure. 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, again, it's, it's the startup phase. And I mean, you, you're grinding it out. And I totally can resonate with that. And I mean, I feel like we can go on this for days, but there's definitely a segment of the show that we want to get to. And we want to talk about some strategy, Kayla. I mean, I, again, you, I, I'm having fun in this. I love talking about digital nomads and, and lifestyle, just lifestyle businesses. But, but let, let's get to some strategy. Let's give the listeners something concrete to take away. I mean, we talk about video marketing, you know, so you know, that's your area of expertise. And I want to talk to the real estate investors out there, maybe even the real estate coaches and maybe, you know, investors who have a few properties and are looking to help their brother or their sister. They're looking to start a small business. They're looking to, you know, just find a way to help other people. And in this day and age, the best way to get your information out there, the best way to, to teach people, the best way, the best way to produce any type of content is, is video. I mean, quite frankly, it's video. Like video's taking over. You think about Facebook, you think about Instagram, you think about all the social media platforms that we use and they're highly, 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 you know, looking for more video content. They're put, pushing that to the top. That's what they want. That's what more of the viewers want. That's what more of the listeners want. So why should a real estate investor, a real estate coach, a business coach, an entrepreneur incorporate video marketing or video into their marketing strategy in general? Well, you touched on the major reason, which is if the success of your business depends upon engaging, influencing, and connecting with an online audience, 
then you've got to start thinking about video because in the Wild West days of the internet, everything was kind of new and there were no huge players yet. Now it's becoming kind of, what's that word, oligarchy? You know, Google on one side and Facebook on the other. They kind of control the internet in some ways. Now I'm oversimplifying, but so, and they both love video. And the reason they love video is because people spend more time on a platform watching videos. So Google will favor a website in the trends, in the ratings if it has video on it. Facebook is not giving very much free reach anymore. And that means, so they used to, you know, share posts and things without you having to pay for it. Well, they're not doing that very much anymore. You have to pay to play for the most part now. But video, and especially Facebook Live, is kind of still a little bit of exception to that rule. You'll get a little more juice from them, but without having to pay a bunch if you're doing video consistently. So those are the businessy kind of reach reasons. But my favorite reason is because the key to succeeding when it seems like the entire world is getting online and starting business is that your prospect has to get to know you and trust you super quickly. I mean, you know that the velocity of business online is different than in the, you know, out on the street sort of, you know, on Main Street. It's hard to describe until you've sort of been in there working with it. But things happen so much more quickly. Trends come and go. Algorithms change. And it can be a little freaky. But the anchor is that humans like to connect with other humans and we like to do business with people we trust. So what's the fastest way to get to that? It's probably not an email stream anymore. I mean, email is important, but an email nurture series is going to take twice as long to establish that level of trust as if somebody just sits down and watches a two to three to four minute video. So that's, those are kind of the reasons why video is so important. And the things that I, I can go into kind of three things I see people doing wrong. If you'd like me to, is this the time? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So, and this is why I'm really happy, you know, my clients kind of drag me back to video and in front of the camera to be helping people with this because I do feel like I like I know a secret and I want everybody to know (laughs) as much as possible. So there's three basic mistakes that I see um, people getting into video or new to video. And the first one is overcomplicating, overcomplicating the tech setup. It doesn't have to be hard at all. I've downloaded guides that are fabulous guides, you know, to how to do video, but there's like recommendations for five cameras and seven mics and who needs that? You've got a smartphone, you know, just use your smartphone. It'll simplify your life so much and smartphones take beautiful video now. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I used to have a big old camera and I don't anymore because, you know, my smartphone takes just as good a video. And you mean just the, uh, just the regular camera app on your smartphone. If it's an iPhone, just click on the camera, press record and you're good to go. Yeah, exactly. Especially, well, iPhone 6 or newer. You can, you know, kind of funky. The iPhone 5 actually did pretty okay video, but the 6 and the 7 are, you know, the next level. And that is, I mean, that's what I use for all my videos. And unless you're like shooting a BMW commercial or something, you don't need a big old video camera because that just introduces complexity in the edit. The great thing about doing it on your phone is the footage is then in your phone and that's easier to get onto the cloud or onto your editing setup or to your editor than if you have to download it from your phone or your camera. Sometimes there's a conversion codec, blah, blah, blah. You don't need to deal with that. Two quick questions. So do you currently still use any cameras to this day or are you just only your phone? I just use my iPhone and I have 5D Envy, which is the, the Canon. I mean, it's a gorgeous you know, camera, but I just don't need it. And that's another good thing. If you're, if you're going to go on the road and you're going to be in countries where the, you know, income levels are a little bit lower, you don't want a bunch of expensive stuff hanging off every time you get off the bus. So the camera is, 
the iPhone is great. Now you can shoot video with Android too. I, don't, I haven't done that, but I think the Google camera or the Google phone actually has a really good camera as well. But yeah, I just use my iPhone. Nice, nice. Yeah, I don't have the 5G. I have the, uh, the T3i and I'm just like, I don't, like if I want to keep a camera around, which like you said, I mean, there's no, there's almost no need to at this point, but if I want to keep a camera around just to have my phone handy, it's one of those things where I'm trying to find the perfect um, switch from a DSLR to the perfect digital camera. Because I think at this point in time, I mean, the digital cameras, they're as much flexibility as you have with DSLRs. I mean, digital cameras are getting pretty advanced in their technology. And I think that having one of those pocket sized cameras at this point would be a definite benefit to anybody doing video marketing. And I would even say if somebody's getting into you know, doing a lot of video, then just buy, you know, a used iPhone 6 and don't get a data package for it. Just use it for the camera. And then you've got, a spare, you've got a spare camera as well as your phone. Okay, nice. I actually did that. So I may just do that instead and just, and just sell my DSLR. So my next question is, because we're doing everything through an iPhone, I want to walk through that process because video seems so daunting for a lot of people. I know that my social manager, like we're, I mean, we put our heads together and we've been trying to figure out the best way to efficiently make a video, get some watermarks in the video, get, I mean, get some text on it, upload it, save a lot of space. And it's just so much. So maybe walk us through a simple process for any and everybody out there looking to do video marketing, making a video, editing a video, uploading the video, like walk us through maybe a simple process with a few apps that you use from beginning to end, how you start a video and how you finish and upload a video. Well, yeah. I mean, kind of what you're describing now. I mean, I think about, I don't know much about the real estate business. I've always been interested in it, but there's a lot of moving parts for you guys too, investors and agents. And so I, you know, I think so how do successful people handle complexity? You know, we create a system around it, right? And so I think that I would guess there are some pretty powerful systems to keep realtors organized and investors organized. So it's the same with video. And this is one of my secrets that seems so obvious after the fact. But it gets into the second mistake that people are making around their videos. And that's just making one at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, people look at me like, I can't even get my head around, how do I do one? You want me to do three or five at a time? I'm like, yeah, I want you to batch those babies because it's much more efficient to do that. You'll save time and money. You might even get to the point where you can hire an editor and not spend a jillion hours of your time when you should be working on your business editing. And that's a real sticky point. And I understand that completely. Having been an editor and now I don't do my own edit. I don't edit anymore because it just isn't cost efficient. So the way that you start to justify the costs, the production costs of video is you do more than one at a time and you get your, there's four, only four pieces of equipment you need. You need your iPhone. You need a way to keep it steady. I actually have videos about all this. Can you imagine? Of course. <laughs> yeah, you need a you know you need a tripod to keep it steady. Or there's a really cool for I think for you guys that maybe are shooting things on site out at locations and properties. There's a really awesome selfie stick right now that has swivels and it's nice. used, anyway it's like a selfie stick on steroids. But you all, just I'm a big believer in keep it simple. Buy a cheap old one and just you know use your selfie stick. Start to experiment with those camera angles. Uh, but you want a way to keep your your to hold your camera away from you so that you don't always have to be having it in your hand because that's the shakiest shot there is and you want to get away from the shakes. And then you do want to use a microphone if at all possible. There's a really simple one that plugs into the headphone jack of your iPhone if you still have one of those. If you have one of the newer iPhones that in their infinite wisdom they got rid of the headphone jack. <laughs> so then you have to get the adapter for the charger but it's all, I think it comes with one actually. 
So don't, you know, don't throw away that little white piece, that little white cord that came with your iPhone 7. You can use some Apple AirPods. Have you experimented with those? I hope, I mean, I have some and I haven't used them for a video yet, but I hear they're really, they pick up really good. Yeah, that's a good point as well. They pick up pretty well. And, and I have one that Urban Ears is another brand that actually I've done a bunch of videos with those and the sound's pretty good too. So thank you for reminding me that that is true. When you are doing like a business video though, like if you're doing more of a, you know, introducing yourself. A, a, you don't want those in your ears. <laughs> you don't want those in your ears. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Maybe if sure. you're out on, you know, on location, you're filming a, um, a house or an apartment or something, then it's yeah. fine. But even then you got too many cords going and you might just want one little clip on. So there's all sorts of, you know, things you can get into, but there's also, but I always like to keep it simple. So you either want a lav mic that plugs in or there's yeah, another say, lav mic. Those are good yeah. too. Yeah. Or there's another mic that plugs in to the, again, the charging port that is kind of tapes or picks up sound all around you. And that's a pretty good mic too. The only problem is you can't charge your phone while you're using it. So I'm not as crazy about that one because video tends to eat up the battery and heat up your phone. So those are things that you need. And if you're doing, again, kind of business video where you are teaching or consulting or you're presenting yourself as a trusted guide, then you want a light. Like my favorite source of light is Sammy Sunshine. You know, you want light in your space. What's Sammy Sunshine? (laughs) The sun. (laughs) Um, I should have known that. I should have known that. (laughs) Natural light. What's a good substitute? What are are some tools or products or apps or, I mean, what's your way around that if you don't? Again, I mean, I am all about, you know, keep it simple. Um, In the old days of video production, which I've done as well, there's a three-point lighting system and there's all this, you know, stuff. And if you shoot closer in, then you simplify your shot quite a bit, to be honest because then you don't have all the stuff in the back that you have to worry about. So you just kind of pick one section of your room to clean up and not the whole room. And then you shoot a little closer in, or even on if you're on a location somewhere, you just pay attention to things in the background. You don't want something looking like it's growing out of your head. That drives me crazy. I see that all the time. <laughs> and just kind of you know look at your environment with new eyes. And for lights, there's something called a soft box light. I have, again, a, you know, a one-page um, list of the basic equipment that you need. Anybody could, you know, you could be set up in 15 minutes ordering your stuff on Amazon. So anyway, just don't overthink it. So a box light, there are people having some luck with those round lights. They're called Diva Rings. That's one brand. Those are not, you know, quite as forgiving, to be honest. But if you know what you're doing with makeup, those work pretty well as well. Yeah. Okay. So those are things you need for your setup. Is, it, is the softbox portable? Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I feel like what I'm, what I'm imagining is one of those studio lights. Is that, is that kind of how it looks? It's a square and it has a white, yeah, the lights the white, are inside. The white veil over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also there's this one. I don't, you know, we're on a podcast so people can't see me, but it's the brand is Generay and it's a light actually that's meant it's to go on top of a DSLR on the port on top, but I use it as a supplemental light because it's about, you know, as big as a, it's like a, four by six box kind of, and it gives you pretty bright light. And that really helps in low light situations. Yeah. But that's the other thing about the iPhone that I like is it's super sensitive to light. Um, It makes it tricky if you have bright spots, but it makes it really, it's very adaptive, understanding and forgiving in low light. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Guys, we're getting really technical, but we're going to have a lot of these things in the show notes. I'm going to have some recommendations. Uh, I know Kayla's going to have some, so definitely reach out to her and we're going to have all all of her information at the end. So, okay. We're walking through the process. The four things that we need, we need an iPhone. We need a tripod. 
we need some kind of recording device, whether that's your, your, your smart lab pro, whether that's your, your Apple AirPods, whether that's, I mean, whatever mic you have, you need a mic. And then last but not least, you need great lighting. Once we have those four things, we're ready to go. So that's like pre-recording the things that we need. Now let's talk about, I guess, uh, you know, the process of actual recording and then post-recording. What are we doing then? Well, that's your setup, but really what we teach people is we to set it, they're doing their setup, but at the same time, they're having a parallel journey where they're figuring out what are the first three to five videos they want to make because they're going to be short videos because that's okay for most people for marketing purposes. Now there are other types of video. We could talk about that as well, but the place to start are short videos because the attention span online is very short and anything over the two minutes is eternity in video land online. So you want to keep it short. So you want to go into your process having scripts or, you know, talking points for three short, three to five short videos. And you want to, I mean, I have obviously a whole system around this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This but, is the SparkNotes version, guys. You're definitely yeah. going to want to check out some of Kayla's yeah. stuff. After, and after you want to get to the point to where, you know, you can say those things in sound bites so that you're not stuttering a lot or, you know, it's coming together in a really cogent, short fashion. And then you want to um, pick a day to tape everything and then do it all one time, batch it with your studio setup that you've set up. Now, the day that you shoot is not the day, your first day using your stuff. You need to set aside some time to practice with it because inevitably things will go wrong. I mean, one of my favorite clients, and she's not a tech happy lady, she's, she's a coach for teen girls and their parents. She's amazing, but tech stuff, not her gig. Well, you know, her, her light kit comes with missing a screw or something. So it takes her half a day to get that figured out. And then her cat eats her mic when she goes to have lunch. <laughs> and then, you know, she runs out of space uploading stuff to Google Drive. So I don't know why, but I think it's because, you know, when we're learning video, we're really pushing on, you know, we're up-leveling our skill set. And there's something in the universe that wants us to stay small. Yeah. Not the universe, something, I don't know, not helpful that wants us to stay small. So things will go wrong when you start to try video. I just gotta be honest. <laughs> for sure. For sure. That sounds like a valuable life lesson in every single area of our lives. So definitely thank you to that. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But then just quickly wrapping that up and then you want to figure out a way to keep your footage organized. And obviously, you know, our system has a whole piece on that, but you want to keep your footage organized so that your editor can get to it easily. It saves you time and money because it saves you money, could save them time. And also sometimes they'll move you to the front of their schedule because your footage isn't a big mess like something else they just received from somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's the best way to upload uh, your video from your phone to some type of a cloud? Is it just straight to Dropbox? Is it any other cloud? I mean, are you compressing it? How are you uploading? Okay, so no, you don't compress it first because if you do that, you always want to start editing with the fattest footage that you have. So you don't want to, you want to try not to compress anything before you start editing. So what I do is I just, I, I do image capture from my phone to my Mac and then I upload it to Google, which is where I keep my stuff right now. I know some people use Dropbox. I mean, it doesn't matter if Dropbox is your thing. A lot of editors work with that too. Yeah. Yeah. In the past used so for editing, which is the boogeyman and all this stuff, I use Final Cut Pro because that was what I was doing for a living. iMovie is, you know, acceptable. There are some cloud-based editing platforms that I have not experimented a lot with, to be honest, because I'm so impatient with the upload time. And also they're a little limited. But that's why you gotta think about this stuff as a system because you don't want to get into the edit with all of these, you know, really little tiny changes you want to be making in your footage. When you think back, oh, I could have had my footage be a little cleaner. I could have practiced a little more. 
and gotten my sound bites organized. And then I would just be basically chopping this up and putting it together and we'd done. Instead, I'm sitting here editing out, you know, things that I thought I would do is do in the edit. So those are kind of some tips. The power tip though, really, and I know this is a hard one, but is to work with an editor. And in fact, <laughs> we're setting up an editor matchmaking service because that's a big Ooh. pain point. Yeah. And I want to make it something. And as you might imagine, all editors not created equal. They're all amazing people, but some are more, you know, have better kind of bedside manner than others. Some have more experience with business video than others. It's interesting, you know, with my clients, editors that have experience with brides do really well because my clients have some of those same jitters around their video project. You know, their center of attention. They want to look nice and they've never done this before and it's expensive for them. And so all those same things that kind of go through a bride's mind, same thing with business video if it's the first time you've been working with it. So that's a tip too. If you, if you can find an editor to work with, just be sure that they have some understanding of business video versus you know, working on their girlfriend's music video. Nothing wrong with that, but <laughs> but you want somebody with a little bit of uh, career maturity, I guess. Doesn't mean, that's not an age thing. It's more of an experience thing, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So one last thing for the do-it-yourselfers, and then we'll, we'll do one last thing for the people who are going to outsource this and get some editors. So for the do-it-yourselfers, when you're editing, the best way to edit is to edit on your phone, I'm presuming. I mean, maybe maybe not the best way. I know that once you upload, you're able to kind of use some of these uh, softwares that you, that you named, like iMovie and things like that. But for those who want to possibly edit on their phone, is there any recommendations as far as apps that you recommend? Or is there, do you just not advise, doing, advise to do that? Kind of speak on that a little bit. That's a really good question because a year ago I would have said, no, that's a bad idea. But now I know it's a thing. It's not a thing I could adapt myself very easily to because I didn't grow up doing that. I mean, I'm more than half geek, but it kind of drives me crazy to try to do things on my phone that I've been used to doing on a 27 inch Mac, you know? So, and plus there's always a tweak I want to make or having said that again, if your footage is pretty clean and, and really all you're going to be doing is putting you know, an opening slate is what we call it on the front and a lower thirds. I, the iMovie phone app is fine for that. It just, as long as you're not trying to do lots of intricate cuts and, or, you know, any kind of filters or they don't have a, uh, last time I used it anyway, they didn't have like a light adjustment thing, which kind of drove me crazy because that's a really basic thing in video. Yeah. Second to that might be, you know, an iPad. Yeah. I think it'd be easier to edit on an iPad. But the editors that I work with, and I work with a couple digital nomads, and they edit on their laptop yeah, yeah. with a mouse. For sure. For yeah, sure. it's just a lot. It's, it's a, the experience is more enjoyable. And I think you can, then you'll find that you can do a couple extra things with your videos without spending a ton more time that actually make a kind of a nice difference. Nice, nice, nice. So let's end, let's end the segment with this. If we are looking to outsource, which I think that most of the entrepreneurs out there are going to want to f- try to outsource this as quickly as possible, as you mentioned. What are some of the, I guess, the basic tasks or some of the basic things that you should look for? I know you touched on a few earlier, but as far as like what they're doing, uh, what the editors are doing, what are some of the things that you should automatically assume that an editor is going to take on, such as editing out your uhs, your ums, uh, things like that? What are things that, you know, and noise cancellation, I'm sure maybe, what are some of the things that you should definitely look out for? Great question. And I'm actually working on a video right now, but you know, why is video so, or why is editing so expensive? And it's from the editor's point of view of all the things that go into this. And it's a tension for editors. It's not really the client's business to know, you know, the editor's issues, but it helps 
the editor, if the client's a little bit educated about what goes into the edit, you know, cause the client's thinking, well, can't you just swap that thing out and we're like done. And it's like, well, no, that's, you know, then I got to shift the music and it's two more hours of, you know, rendering and blah, blah, blah. So I would be clear about, so if you look at your footage, you make a list of all the things that you don't like about it. Like I did too many ums, or I need, you know, I look green or, you know, my skin tone is off or can you fix this part that's fuzzy? So you make a list of the things you don't like about your footage and then you ask the editor to go over that because then that will let him know, oh, this is a job or her, of course, (laughs) this is a job I have to do color correcting on, which is a little bit different step. It's going to cost you a tiny bit more and there's an art to it too. So there's also, you know, special effects editing. If you just have straight talking head footage, which is what we call, you know, our, our teaching or trusted guide footage or our, you know, just being on camera then you don't need somebody who can do amazing motion graphics and stuff necessarily. So you might be paying a little extra for their expertise in that area, even if they're not using it on your job. I think that, and you want to give them one video to start with. Now you you will have shot more than one all at one time, but you want to try them out with just one and see how it goes. The other thing that is really important and is super helpful from their standpoint is, so we give clients two edit reviews and I ask them to be really meticulous in that first review because anything that isn't flagged in that first review is considered approved. So the second review is should pretty much be the final review, right? Now, sometimes there's a little tweak that goes back because if this is the first time someone's done that, this, I understand they're not always going to catch everything, but the idea is, is that the client, it doesn't help the client, doesn't help the editor, it blows the budget if we get into nitpicking things that we should have caught, you know, the first couple rounds of the edit, right? Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Okay, I can't ever just pick one. So I got to pick three real quick. Well, the first is Hafiz. It's um, a Persian poet, and he's amazing, and believe it or not, he's got a lot to say about life and business. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And then I just recently read a book that is totally out of my wheelhouse. It's called Relentless, From Good to Great. Have you, do, you're nodding, you know that one by Tim yeah, Grover? I have read that one. Super cool book. Um, he was uh, Michael Jordan's trainer, and you know, I, I don't even watch basketball much, but I think that mindset is fascinating. And so it helped me, it's helping me to bring out, you know, that piece of, of that in me, which I think I didn't even think was there before. So that was, a, and so super great read. I like the way he writes. Yeah, yeah, I love that book as well. So definitely a great recommendation. All three of those books are great, and we'll definitely put all three of those in the show notes. The Power of Now is another great book as well. I didn't, mm-hmm. I haven't heard of the first one, but I'm interested to kind of look that up. So thanks for those recommendations. Question mm-hmm. number two: What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. You know, I've got to say Asana is and is a, a powerful app for keeping organized but i'm assuming somebody's probably already said that on your show so i also ran across one i really like i like to make things as visual as possible and canvanizer i'm not sure if you're familiar with them but canvanizer is um, a website that has a lot of different templates for business the business processes and you can actually fill in these these visuals these templates the business canvas is the most obvious example and but they also have customer journey maps they have I would imagine there's something you could adapt to the real estate journey for sure with one of you know their templates. But Canvanizer and their quick tip, they're in the middle of redoing their app. So the deal right now is pretty good. It's like, nice. I, can't remember. I won't say the price because I don't know, but very cheap. 
Nice, nice. That sounds amazing. So we'll definitely have both of those apps in the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, question number three. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? <laughs> well, the massive freedom to set my days, but also that means there's no excuses. So it's really been good for me honing my self-discipline, but also really enjoying myself again during this time when a lot of the time it just feels like a grind sometimes the entrepreneurial journey is not always glamorous and exciting so that's what i i just like having new experiences whenever yeah my fingertips also this may not <laughs> make all of your listeners happy but i like the fact that if something breaks in my space it's not my problem <laughs> Hmm. Oh. So you guys with Airbnbs or, you know, apartments or whatever, I appreciate you. <laughs> That's another story for another day, Kayla. Another story for another day. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm not that way. I'm very good. <laughs> okay, okay. Then you're in my good book. No problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I knew I was going to have to simplify drastically, which to me meant downsizing. No doubt about it. That is probably the number one thing. And then also moving to Mexico is awesome, but I do miss my country sometimes. I mean, it's very different. So, but I knew that, you know, I'm going to be 55, so I don't have 40 years to figure this out. I got to figure it out in, you know, two or three or four. So, and I knew to, to be able to invest enough to get that velocity going, I was going to have to drastically simplify my lifestyle and live somewhere a lot cheaper. Yeah. For sure. I love that. Great, great, great advice. And that's a beautiful sacrifice. <laughs> Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Boy, I, I think it would be my parents. I mean, it's not like I even talk to them, you know, every day. It's not like that kind of relationship. But I didn't realize, I mean, the older I get, the more I realize how blessed my childhood was. So I had a lot of stability and I was made to feel valuable for who I was as a person and not, you know, just my gender or, you know, a symbol for them. There's you know, hardworking, work ethic kind of people. I saw my dad and my mom get up every day and go to work, come home, you know, do chores on the weekend. And it wasn't, it's like, you know, it's how you lived your life. I think that that has been the thing that has given me the confidence actually to even step out on this and take the risks that it, you have to take to make significant leaps. Yeah, that's beautiful. And there's a question I've been wanting to interject somewhere in our conversation, but I just haven't quite found the right spot. So I'll ask it here really quick before we get to the last question of this segment. When you incorporate the fact that you have little ones, I mean, you have kids in your location independent lifestyle. I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how do they adapt to the lifestyle that you live? And are you homeschooling them? Kind of touch on that a little bit. Oh, yeah. So I didn't ever do this with kids. We took a lot of vacations, but I do know people that do. And I still this day kind of, I don't, it's not envy isn't the right word. I'm happy that they're able to do that. And I would like to have done that. The thing that's amazing about it now is with the internet, you can completely create, you know, an enriched homeschool environment without even having probably to do the whole homeschool curriculum for a year. I think anybody can go online and find the things that they need to, to keep their kids' education going, you know, education in terms of the formal way. But taking your kids and living in another culture, I can't imagine a better educational experience than that. Now, I think the harder part to plan for is the re-entry when you come back. Because I have seen families that come back and it's disorienting. You know, the U.S. culture 
it's amazing, but it's not an easy place to like re-enter when you've slowed down and seen the world and done some different things and all of a sudden you're back in this high, kind of high pressure, high paced society. So I think that that would be one of the things to look at is a plan for re-entry. And then definitely finding other families that are doing it. That's the number one thing. And just even if you don't have a family, if you're thinking about doing the digital nomad thing, I should have said that earlier, finding your posse online is really helpful. There's a ton of groups out there. So find the ones that resonate with you. Not all of them will, but you'll find your tribe and that'll really help you to make, to plan and also just to have the confidence to make the leap. Nice, nice, love it. Well, Kayla, last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Well, I think it's distractions. And to be honest, when I lived in the US and I had kind of started to cull things out of, you know, my my sphere already. I mean, I don't watch much TV, didn't read many newspapers, but it wasn't until I left the US that I realized how, I mean, like every second of the day, there's an option to go and be distracted. So if you're not tied to super clear goals, even if they're not the exact ones you end up at, you need a direction, you, you know, you need something that you're working towards so that you know what to say no to. That's such a skill in today's world. Timing is everything, you know, so for one family that might be able to figure out how to take their kids on the road, it might be a big disaster for another family. It just depends on the kids and your mindset and, and you have to be at a place where you're enjoying the process of the now of planning those things and because I never advocate that you do this you know you live this life of living for the day when you go on the road you have to figure out you know the changes to make now to enjoy life and enable this process of going on the road family and friends unfortunately when you start to chase a dream that is off the beaten path (laughs) pun intended you expect like those people closest to you to be your biggest supporter because they've always been you might be surprised. I hope you're not, but I was. There were some friends that I, you know, was very surprised that I did not have their support in this kind of dream that I had. So you've got to find the people that understand your drive and your desire and stop looking for approval from the traditional sources, family, friends that may have always been there for you. Um, and then the last thing is just, you know, keep an eye on your fear because fear stops us from doing so many things. And it, it shows up in, in little cute outfits or it shows up in, you know, <laughs> in little different ways. And so it doesn't look like fear, but then you got to think about, no, wait, why am I resisting this thing? You know, it's because I'm afraid of what's behind it. So get really in touch with your fears. And I'm big, I'm a big advocate of meditation. So that's another tip as well. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Super, super powerful. All of that was very, very good stuff. I love how we ended with that question because again, I resonated with every single one of those points. So that's super valuable. I mean, this whole conversation, Kelly, has been super invaluable and I've gotten a lot of takeaways from this conversation. So I know the listeners have. And if any of them want to reach out to you, learn a little bit more about your services, what you do, how can they get in contact with you? How can they find out about some of the things that you're offering? Kind of plug all that stuff in here for us. <laughs> well, thank you. And I want to tell you too, this has been super fun for me. And I just, I feel like we've scratched the you know, tip of the iceberg, but I thank you. I'm honored to be on your show. I love what you're doing and just wish you all the best. And I know we're going to keep in touch, but if people would like to, I did finally, I had like three or four ideas going, I think I mentioned before, and they were like, well, I'm just testing things out, but I finally have narrowed down my brand dysfunction to just two. <laughs> 
So the, the one is the, the system for video production for uh, transforming your business with video. And it's called Fab Videos Finally Done. And that's F-A-B, Fab. It's kind of a long name, but that's a long story too. People can go to that website and they're the, the three kind of mistakes that you might be thinking about making. If you're going to try to do videos, there's a download there if people are interested in that. And then also the independent location, independent lifestyle, digital nomad. So my partner and I, Sergio, we have a blog and it's called La Vida with Wings, La Vida with Wings. And we focus on slow travel and I always, you know, work some entrepreneurship in there because it's just part of, you know, what I do, who I am. So that's another place. And there we have a short, it's a quick start guide to transitioning to slow travel life. And you can check that out too. Yeah, that's at that website. And then I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way, most direct way to contact me directly. And I'm happy to, you know, hear from any of your listeners if they have questions because this is my jam, all this stuff. I love that. I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. And we will have a link to every single one of those in the show notes. So listeners, definitely check, check out the show notes of this episode. Kayla, this has been an amazing, spectacular episode. I mean, we've talked about everything video marketing. I mean, I feel like I know so much about video marketing. I did not know before. I know the listeners feel the same way. But before that, I mean, we have a very, very long stretch of just talking about location independence, talking about geo arbitrage, talking about the different countries that people can visit and the, some of the things that people uh, have to look forward to when they become, you know, a location independent entrepreneur when they start living this lifestyle when they start being truly fulfilled and i enjoyed that part of our conversation more than anything so thank you for that advice thank you for your insight and thank you for all that you do in your community and kayla we will talk to you very very soon thank you so much Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.